You're listening to the Calvary Church Audio Experience, designed to empower and encourage you throughout your week. Hello, Calvary family. Can y'all believe that today we are finishing our journey through the book of Philippians? Y'all, this has been a 14-week journey through this amazing book if y'all have been blessed through the book of philippians could you put your hands together and just thank god that we've learned to have joy gospel fueled joy in our situations uh, this has been a great series pastor kareem you and the team have led us and pastor ben has brought us through this journey and encouraged us so much now go ahead and grab your bibles and let's turn this is this is the final installment of this series so turn to Philippians chapter 4 if you would and while you're doing that may I greet all of the those of you that are online joining us from uh, here in the States and around the world thank you for checking in and being a part of this great community online if you have a prayer request we sure would love to pray with you we have pastors uh, that can connect with you right there online so let's go ahead and jump right in, Pastor Kareem. Uh, we're going to turn to the closing words of Paul uh, in this letter. And um, I think it's not by any coincidence that we're focusing on what's perhaps the greatest single promise in the entire Bible. And especially appropriate for where we stand today with so much uncertainty surrounding us. And it's found in Philippians 4.19. And let me just read it for you. And I, I want you to hear this promise. And then I'm going to have you declare it. Because our pastor has been telling us not just to see it and to hear it, but you got to open your mouth and speak it. This is what it says. And my God will supply all of your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to open your mouth as a family and declare that. Make it personal. Say, all of my needs, okay? We're going to read this together. I'm going I'm to, thank you for jumping ahead. Very astute. I love it. You're ready to go. Philippians 4.19. And my God will supply all my needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. And if you believe it, go ahead and clap your hands. Yes. He's going to provide for all your needs. I ain't looking to nobody else to be my supplier. So this is such a great promise. And of course, with every promise, it's given within a context. And we need to understand this context so that we can apply it and pull out the accuracy and the, the power that is in this verse. Last week, Pastor Ben spent time giving us a clear new covenant foundation and perspective concerning these promises or this promise. So if you've missed it, just go ahead online and you can check out any of the series. It's posted up there. So let's take a look at how Paul finishes his letter to the Philippians, uh, picking up in verse 14 of chapter 4. He says, Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. So Paul is recalling how even from the very beginning of their relationship, a baby church, a fledgling church, 
They were brand new to becoming a believer. The Philippians were generous with their finances. Even though they themselves were living in extreme poverty, think about it. They didn't give out of their wealth. They gave out of their poverty. Paul says that even during the time when he was no longer staying in Philippi, but had moved on to do church planting work, he had moved his ministry headquarters elsewhere in Thessalonica. The Philippians were the one that kept them afloat financially. They were funding the ministry. These were the venture capitalists that said, we want to invest in kingdom work out there. He continues, verse 17, not that I desire your gifts. You're going to see motivation. What I desire is that more to be credited to your account. I have received full payment. I have more than enough. I am amply supplied. Now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts that you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. That's powerful, Pastor oh, Kareem. That is powerful. Ladies and gentlemen, would you do me a favor? Our friend, Pastor Chris, is back My. on the platform bringing the word. So good to be up here with you today. And he, I feel the anointing in the room. Oh, Hallelujah. <laughs> but Pastor Chris, real quick, I think it's interesting what Paul is saying in verse 17. And we've been journeying through this, man, and I'm telling you, what a way to end this amazing book. His encourage to them is not self-centered. Yeah. He's not manipulating them. He's not trying to increase the finances of his ministry for his own sake or his own purpose. Nope. Instead of doing that, which he could have. Yep. Instead of doing that, he says, what I desire is that more be credited to your account. Calvary, I want you to know that's true apostolic ministry. That is true fathering. When the one that is teaching wants those that are being taught to increase more and more, Paul is implying that in direct proportion to their generosity, they'll be credited something in this account. Now, we got to pay close attention to, what, to the context so that we can figure out what Paul means. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to show you the biblical context, and we're going to summarize the book of Philippians. As we do that, we're going to tie a beautiful bow because this is the last one. That's right. Well, while we're doing that, we're going to explain this whole account that Paul is talking about. Here's how we're going to do it. We're going to give you five specific things that credits your account. And understand, this is about gospel-fueled joy in your finances. So let's go right. quickly, y'all. Right. If you're taking notes, you can go online and follow us. When you live generously, here's the first thing that Paul talks about. You receive joy from the gratitude of others. Talk about it. Isn't that amazing? You receive joy from the gratitude of others. Calvary, when you are a generous person, when you're investing in kingdom purposes to help others come to know and experience the power of the gospel, you experience the joy of other people's gratefulness. gratefulness. Here's something I want you to do. Go back with me. Think about this. Think about the people that you are most grateful for in your life personally. You know who it's going to be? It's going to be those that invested the most in you. It's going to be those that invested That's the right. most time, That's right. the most money, the most energy, the most patience. Whatever it may be, you're most grateful for those who have invested the most in you. And here's what I love about this book. Paul is saying that the Philippians got to experience joy because of Paul's gratefulness towards them. This is powerful. Remember chapter 1, verse 3 through 7, Paul says, I thank my God every time I remember you. 
because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart and whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. Paul is releasing joy over them because of the seeds they invested in him. That's powerful. I think we ought to clap our hands on that one because when you're generous, God releases joy over the giver. What's crazy, Pastor Cream, is you could see how the yes. Philippians had really earned the gratefulness of the Apostle Paul through their generosity. Now, now let's make a difference. He didn't love them more than no. he loved any church, no. but he relied on them. He knew that when tough times came, there was a church that wasn't going to be rattled by the economy. There was a church that trusted God. When push came to shove, this church is going to support me. Even if they got to send Epaphroditus hundreds of miles with the offering in his hand, they're going to come through. Man, could you imagine the commitment that that is? So, so they, they earned the gratitude of the Apostle Paul. They put their money where their mouth was. They, they didn't just say, yeah, Paul, we're huge fans of yours. Go get them, Paul. They, man, we love this guy. My boy, it sure felt good. But then he leaves and say, go get them out there, Tiger. Good luck. And then just stayed there. No, th this was a church that said, we are fully behind you. Yes. We're going to fund what God has placed on the inside of you. We're going to help fund that because we know it's for the entire world. As we saw in 2 Corinthians earlier, they literally begged and pleaded to be part of spreading the gospel of grace by giving financial. They begged for an offering, Pastor Cream. I'm just telling you, that's a they're seeing something yeah. that other people don't see. Yeah, they want to be a part of it. They, they want to say, how do we? How does me and my family get in on this investment? How, how do we hook our financial train up to what you're doing? They saw something that in the natural you just ain't going to see. Right. It's investing in eternal work that inspires me. Sometimes, Pastor Cream, as we walk across this beautiful campus, it's gorgeous. Here at the Irving campus, we have other locations and other campuses, but just walking across here, looking in this worship center, we have a student center. I've been through all the nooks and crannies on the roof. I've seen the beautiful facility outside with the lawn that, that has to be taken care of, the maintenance. But I often think how many hundreds, if not thousands of people invested and they are now part of your story. Why? Because you're sitting in an air-conditioned room. Because you're gathering in a place where you can hear the gospel. They are a part of your story. Pastor Kareem, I, I just real quick, share with us. So, so I've been here 13 years, but, but you were here actually before when we were on 183. There, there's been three or four buildings here in Irving. Talk to us about what you saw there. Well, Pastor Chris, back in the day, yeah. I forget how long ago it was, but it, I remember being 19, 20 years old. At right. Christ for the Nations, Lord. hanging out with Pastor Ben and Kim. Man, I was such a slim, handsome fellow with a whole lot of hair. I mean, I Close just had headache. long yeah. hair. Oh, my hey, God. Man. Just a sharp young cat. Yeah. Full of and hope. Full of hope and peace and strength. <laughs> and I remember as I'm a student and I'm fellowship and I'm connecting, and I'll never forget the day Pastor Ben introduced me to Pastor George, Come told on. him my story. And I remember that day when Pastor George looked at me. He knew my pastor from Chicago. And he says, I want you to pray about joining this team. I, he knew I grew up in the bus ministry. He knew my story on the south side. And I'm telling you, because of the heart 
and the mission of Calvary Church. I am here today because someone believed in me when I was just a young 19, 20-year-old. So whatever you see today, Calvary, that's you. You played a part in that transformation. Talk, talk real quick. I, I know we're short on time, but this is important. Yeah. You were part of something that yes. many church, many folks here don't realize. We had a bus ministry. Yes, we, did. we had a bunch of buses that we yes. should. Is that cheap? Is that, is that, the, oh, is no. that free? Very expensive. You know, I grew up in the bus ministry. I got, came to the Lord or <laughs> Jesus came to me. You know, we got to rephrase it. He found it us. <laughs> yes. he found. And it was the bus ministry, south side of Chicago. So when I came in, there was a direct connection to the power of this ministry. And Pastor George said, whatever you need. I want to make sure you thrive. And I'll never forget, before I transitioned to start planting churches in urban areas, we had 14 buses lined up on 183. Over 600 kids were coming to church on Sunday mornings from broken, wounded families right here in Irving. That's the power of Calvary Church, man. That is what we're about. And it was a joy to be a part of that back in the day. Do you realize, church, that when you give to Jesus through Calvary Church... There are grateful people every day, locally and globally, that benefit from your faithfulness, from you trusting God. There are grateful people who benefit from dozens of ministries that are found and run by the staff and the dream teamers and you. Not only on weekends, but throughout the week. Yes. Just week weekend locations, weekday locations. It is your generosity that makes all of that happen. And there's great joy knowing that you are making a difference in people's lives. In fact, I would even say it's the greatest investment that you can make. Talk about secondly, Pastor Kareem. Here's the second thing, Pastor Chris, and this is something that's dear to my heart. So we're talking about generosity. When you respond to God's grace with generosity, number two, you evidence the transformation of your priorities. That's it. Plain and simple. Here's what's going to happen, Calvary. You will notice a shift in your priorities. It really goes without saying that whatever kingdom you and I are most attached to will be the kingdom that we invest in most passionately. That's right. There really is no greater way to identify where your heart is than to take a quick look at your checkbook. This is why Jesus taught, wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. My then he went on to say, you cannot serve both God and money we can serve one or the other, but we cannot serve both simultaneously. What is Jesus saying? It's impossible. You've got to choose one. You've got to set or create a priority. And I'm glad to say that at Calvary Church, we're sons and daughters, and our priority is the kingdom of God. And we believe that God has called us to something amazing. So why is Jesus bringing this up? He is not downing the power of money as a tool. Here's what he's saying. He wanted us to be careful that we do not overly invest in, watch me, things yeah. rather than people. Yeah. Can you imagine 20 plus years ago, if the heart of Calvary was things, I would not be here. I'm here because there was a value on people. He's letting us know that I don't want you to value the temporary rather than the eternal. I don't want you to value culture more than you value the church. And by the way, it's the church that God uses to change the culture. So if you're giving money to the culture, you got to understand it's a greater effort to give to the one thing designed to change the culture. 
And this is what Paul is talking about. He wanted us to walk in this freedom, but he's saying if your treasure's in the wrong place, you'll never have the fullness of the joy that God has available for you. Look what he says in chapter 1, verse 9 and 10. He said, this is my prayer. Paul was praying for the Philippian church. He says, my prayer is that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth and insight so that you may be able to discern not what's good, but what's best. There's all type of good things, positive things to invest in, but Paul was letting us know that as new covenant believers, we ought to trust God and we ought to be able to know what is best. I'm here to tell you today that the best thing you can do with your money, your finances, your time, your energy is to invest in the eternal bride of Christ, the local church, the, the one entity, entity designed to bring change, transformation, and healing, and restoration, and redemption. The one thing that God designed to usher in the grace and the love and the power of God. Today, Paul is reminding us that the the greatest thing we can invest in is the kingdom of God. That's where the joy is. That's where the strength is. But there has to be a shift in our priorities. Real quick, lift your hands and say, I'm shifting my priorities. Come on, say it mean like the nine o'clock did. Say, I'm shifting my priorities. My good, pa Pastor Krim, you preaching like you got your hair back. My Lord. <laughs> Thirdly, <laughs> When you respond to God's grace, that was something carried over from the 9 a.m. service. I wasn't, sounded like I was taking a shot at you. But Ladies and gentlemen, Pastor Chris is back, y'all. Pastor Chris is back, y'all. Here's the third point. Write it down. We got to get to the finish line. You display the character of Jesus living through you. So listen, when you respond to God's grace with generosity, you will display the character of Jesus living through you. Jesus was the most generous person who ever walked the planet. And now guess what? He's in you as a new covenant believer. Giving is really the essence of divine love. Did you see how we connected to giving and love? I, we slipped that in there, but I'm going to show it to you scripturally, okay? This is important. God was a giver from the very first page of the story in Genesis. You want to know how God spells love? It's not L-O-V-E. It's G-I-V-E. That's how God spells love. Because it is impossible to love without giving. Or it's impossible. I messed that one up. It's important. It's, it's impossible, uh, yeah, to love without giving. That's right. You, so if you love somebody, giving is a natural response of that, Right? So we can give without loving somebody. We can just kind of capriciously throw them a couple bucks and not love that person. Get out of my face. Stop bothering me. Here's a couple bucks. But if you truly are going to love, the expression of that at some point in your life will be giving. That's what it looks like. That's the mature believer. That's the character. Listen, if God wasn't the greatest giver on this in this world, we, you and I, would not be here right now. Everything in my life and your life is a sheer gift from God. James the Apostle Paul tells us that. He says, every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of heavenly lights. Now, I know some people are going to say, nah, nah, I work. Wait a minute. I, I earned some stuff. I worked hard to get where I am. I, 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 and to which I would simply reply, 
whose oxygen did you use? Whose character and heartbeat was put in your chest are you using? Whose life are you living? Colossians tells us that he holds all things together. So yes, he is a generous God. And some people hear that and they might buck at it. But the most famous verse in all of the Bible says that God so loved the world that he There it is. There's the connection between loving and giving. Giving. Philippians 2, 4 through 5. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Boy, that's really the heart of giving, isn't it? It's not about me. I'm going to value. That's what you said. It's investment on not things and people. Not looking to your own interests. Boy, that's hard to do. But to the interests of others in your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ. Of course, he goes on to talk about how Jesus set aside his glory in heaven to come to give himself up for us. So again, this is one of the ways that generosity adds to your account. It's the joy of bearing forth the character of Jesus in your life. Talk to us. Take us home. The fourth thing. Pastor Chris, this is so counter-cultural. That's right. Think about it, how we grew up. We grew up thinking that growth meant the acquiring of of things. But here's number four. Paul is telling us that when you start living a life of generosity, you grow in your faith tremendously. How? Because you're giving. So in the kingdom, we grow by giving. I mean, let's think about it. Giving is not always easy. Sometimes it's a challenge. Sometimes there's a war in your mind between what needs to be paid temporally versus what you ought to give eternal. There's this battle. But you're going to notice that the more you give, the more consistent and the more steps of faith you start to take, you're going to notice tremendous growth in your life. You know, I thought about something. I'm looking at the front row. Man, look at our students over here. Don't you remember being their age? Not I really. remember it was a long, 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 long time ago, but <laughs> we, we, we go way, way back. But I remember being their age, and I remember my youth pastor teaching tithing, yeah. old covenant, yeah. law, right, temporary. Yeah. And I remember my first job, man, I was young, I was getting saving for college, and I will never forget the joy. I wanted to get to Sunday school because it was an opportunity for me to tithe for the first time. I didn't walk to church. I skipped the bus because I didn't feel like waiting. I ran to church because I wanted to give my tithe, right? And here's something I thought about. I said, how in the world was I so excited about a temporal law that now I live in the new covenant. I live under grace. I live under the inspiration of God's love. I don't have to do it. I get to do it. I'm telling you, I decree a joy in giving to be released in every single one of us. Remember, we were so excited about something. Remember, the law... It commands, but love compels. I got a confession today. I'm compelled to give today. See, the law mandates, but love motivates. I've got another confession. I'm motivated to give today. The law requires, 
but love inspires. I got three. I might as well go for another one. I am inspired to give today, and I'm telling you, it is because of what Paul is talking about. It is the privilege of not doing it begrudgingly, but he loves a cheerful giver. I'm rejoicing in the opportunity that God has given me to be a giver because I'm giving to something bigger than me. I'm giving to something greater than me. I'm giving to something eternal. I'm giving to something that is going to last forever. And this brings me to this verse. I love this verse so much. Philippians 4 and 6 says, don't be anxious about anything. You know when I experienced the most anxiety in my life? When? When it was time to give. But now that I got a revelation of grace, I'm not going to get up. I'm not going to get up. I'm not going to get out of this chair. But I feel like getting out of this chair, Pastor Chris. You know what? New Covenant has given me the opportunity that when it's time to give, I'm not anxious. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, I present my request to God. And I'm here to tell you that there's a different mind. It's a different heart. It's a different attitude. Because now this New Covenant finished work, this message that we are hearing, it is changing the way that I'm giving, and you know why? Because my faith has grown because of the revelation of God's grace. You know, I saw this picture as you're talking the first time that you were asking your kid to jump in the pool and you're sitting in there saying, come on, jump in. Yeah, yeah. They were full, so full of fear, anxiety, stress, yeah. right? And you coax them to finally jump in the pool. And they're so excited about it. The eyes get wide. Oh my God, you caught me. I didn't die, I didn't drown. They get out, they want to do it again. And, and they didn't wait as long this time. Kind of jumped in a little bit more. Yeah. And then pretty soon, you're so wore out, you're like, Lord, I wish this kid was still scared of water, isn't it? <laughs> Five hours later, you want to jump in. Do you know what Pastor Kareem was just talking about? Yeah. The anxiety of giving? Yeah. You know the, how to combat that? Mm. To trust. You know how I live my life now? It's anytime there's an opportunity. Let's go, God. Another Let's opportunity go. to see the supernatural in my life. Anything good that's coming to my life, God's brought it there. Y'all see how you combat that? That's why Jesus talked more about giving than heaven and hell combined. Because he knows it's tied to your belief. It's tied to the faith muscle that we're trying to work. Pastor Kareem, you've got two options with that, Philippians 4, 6. You, you can be anxious about the future. It's going to rob us of the joy of generosity. Or be anxious about nothing. And continually re rely upon the Lord to provide in the gap that's created, humanly speaking, the gap of my bills and what it's going to look like if I give. And what's that? That's where you simply trust God. And by the way, that's the safest place yes, you could is. be. Yes, it is. I'm not, I don't want my hope to be tied to America or this, this economy. or the, Now, I'm grateful for it. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But my hope is not in this nation. My hope is not in my job. It's not in the money in my bank. My hope is in Jesus. And how many of you know no recessions going to hit heaven? No pandemics going to hit heaven? No waves up and down? The stock market's always a bull market in heaven. Don't worry. You, it's the glory market. You're going to be all right. I hope you're tied. Your hope is tied to that. That gives you a different perspective, Pastor Kareem. Listen, if I'd be so bold as to say... Uh, it, this way. People ask me all the time, Pastor, how do I grow in my faith? I'll, I'll be honest. We are bloated with information in the American church. We, we know so much. My kids know 
a million times more than I did at their age. I, I had to believe my parents when they told me that caffeine was going to stunt my growth, that if I, you know, got a tattoo, I was going to go to hell, that if I played cards, the devil was going to snatch me up. My kids Google that junk. I tried that with them. They say, does the Bible say if you get a tattoo, you go to hell? The, Siri's going to tell on you. You can't make stuff up. Listen, we have so much information, Pastor Cream, but you want to know what we don't have? We don't do what Pastor Ben was just describing to us. He said, listen, you got to hear it. You got to see it. You got to speak it. But there was a fourth one. He said, you got to do it. When God asks you to step out in faith and to trust him, you could have all the information in your mind, but it's the truth that you know that makes you free. And that word know is not head knowledge. You want to know what that word know is connected to? And Adam knew his wife Eve. There's an intimate knowing about God, which means I tried it and it works. I know it works. Y'all following me on this? We have information in our head, but it's time for us to do it. So when people say, what do I got to do to grow my faith? I say, listen, walk it out. You got to jump into the pool every now and again and see that God's a good God and he's got you. Church, if you believe God's a good God, you should clap your hands and say, thank you, God, that you have never let me down. You have a perfect track record in my life. I'm still here, aren't I?